This is the Fox Motorsports Supercars Podcast with your host, the Pit Lane Rogue. Welcome to the Fox Motorsports Supercar Podcast, wrapping up all the action from the Darwin Triple Crown, which again, after its 21st year, there's still no one being able to take the uh, the top prize. Now, we've had a few uh, substitutes this week, but none better for the for the roster, uh, unfortunately, our normal guys Will Dale is still in Europe, trying to chase Pearl Jam around, maybe trying to get an AVO out on them. Lewis is floating around, and David Reynolds is in Mount Isa, gearing up for the Townsville 400. So I thought that we'd go to the bench and get our guys that are fantastic. That you hear them every Supercar weekend. Uh, television's Chris Stubbs. Welcome to the Fox Mo- Supercar Podcast. AJ, thank you very much. Long time listener, first time uh, member. It is so good to finally have you on and uh, and chatting. You know, we do, do some great stuff across the weekend, and also I know you're gearing up for MotoGP this weekend, so that's very exciting. And also, I'm very pleased that we've got this man finally on the line. He's a five-time oh, uh, a supercar <laughs> media uh, champion. He's the man of the people. He He's the media manager for Porsche Carrera Cup, and you hear him across our supercar coverage on Fox. Richard Crail, welcome to the podcast. AJ, uh, it's delightful to be here. Hello, Stubbsy. Uh, really looking forward to this. You've, I know you've been trying to engineer this for a little while, and I'm glad the stars could finally align to make it work. Yeah, we had to send Will away to, to Europe to get it done, but that's okay. That's fine. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so let's wrap up a massive Darwin uh, weekend, which was absolutely huge. Um Coming out from the weekend, McLaughlin still has that massive lead. Yeah, I, it was an interesting weekend, wasn't it? And, and these are the weekends that are defining Scotty's championship. And he's um, he's sort of moved on from the just win everything phase to if he's not winning, he's finishing second. And if he's not second, he's third. And he's doing a Jamie Winkup in, in just accumulating points at every single step. And making what could have been bad situations, you know, a decent point all. I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about the dramas he had on Sunday a little bit later on. But um, it, it was really impressive in the way that he's building this championship and he's just moved on so quickly from the, all the dramas of last year, which have been so well documented. And um, he's driving, I think, with a new level of maturity and the team's operating brilliantly. They've got the big shell Falcons up and humming at the moment. They're making the other four teams look pretty second rate. Um, and he's just building a really nice championship challenge. And you've got to feel that if he keeps doing what he did in Darwin, wins when he can, otherwise really good points, he's going to win the championship by a reasonable, uh, reasonable margin. So a lot of water to go under the bridge, I know, but it's been really, really impressive. Crazy, so- I think, I was just going to say, I think the, the main word, you hit it on the head there for mine, was mature. Uh, and you, you know, we're not the only two people that would say that about Scotty McLaughlin this year. He's just so much more calm, isn't he? And I think last year he probably felt the pressure of the Penske way and tried to be someone. He's spoken about this a little bit. Tried to be someone that he that he wasn't, perhaps. Um, whereas I think this year he's much more calm, off track. He's got his fiance. He's planning the wedding. You know, he's moved up to Queensland. And like you said, he's just that consistency, isn't it? Eight podiums out of the last nine races. And when he had his bad day at Winton, he was still fifth. Whereas last year when he was having bad days, they were really bad. He was making mistakes. But this year, he's just so much more consistent and it's contained within himself in some ways. He's aggressive when he needs to be. It's not like he's not making passes. 
but then he's sitting back and knowing if someone's got more pace, I just need to get my points. Well, I was going to say, he seems to be out wing-cupping wing-cup. You know, he's doing exactly <laughs> what wing-cup did. I know you touched on it yep. there, Krause, and that's what he seems to have done. I actually think the big um, thing that's that's changed is they've kind of let the shackles off him. Stubbsy, I know that you spoke about, you know, the Penske way getting to him last year. And and you and I had a conversation with someone in the paddock this year, which uh, at uh, Winton, which, and they were saying that they've kind of let the shackles off him a little bit and let him be more of himself as opposed to, you know, keeping him contained in a box. So I think that's part of the thing is he's now more relaxed, he's more himself, and he can just go out and score podiums and get those results and even when things aren't going right, tick away those valuable points. Well, you're right, and he knows the team now, doesn't he? Remember, that was a big step last year for him to go to a headline team with new personnel around him, his new relationship with Ludo. There was a lot of pressure and expectation, a lot of money that he was paid to go there. He was a big talking point, wasn't he, when he moved there? Mm. That's a lot of pressure on a young guy. Remember, he's only in his early 20s, so that was Mm. a big year last year, and he did a fantastic job, but at times, perhaps that was one of the factors for him uh, and that, that pressure, that expectation this year he just seems so much calmer and I believe he's been working a bit with a, a sports cycle at some point over the, the last six months he has at least and, and I think it's paid dividends he's just he's just doing what he needs to do and, and still having fun though. Yeah. You know I think there's some I think there's some similarities with Will Power in this situation because um, you know when Will signed with Penske he was the younger up-and-coming guy who'd been driving for a smaller team, who'd won some races, who'd been really impressive but didn't have the resources or the backing or whatever it might have been to go and win a championship. And then he went to Penske on the big bucks with the car that everybody knows is the best in the field or amongst the best in the field. Um, and then that just that extra pressure that was lumped on his shoulders, it took him five years to win a, an IndyCar championship. But the change in his attitude when he started winning and, and started relaxing a little bit, all of a sudden he won IndyCar and now, of course, won the Indy 500 a yeah. few weeks ago. So there's there's a lot of similarities with that. And I think it's just the pressure of driving for a legend like Roger Penske and arguably one of the most successful teams in global motorsport. To lump that on a young guy's shoulders, like Stubbsy says, that, that's a huge weight. So just take some time to acclimatise to that. And um, and now he has. He's he's kicking goals everywhere. So if we follow the, the willpower method, are you saying that McLaughlin's not going to win Bathurst until 2024? <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I don't want to comment on that. Um, I'd, 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 I'd be very surprised <laughs> if he was racing in this sport in 2024 here <laughs> in Australia. He I might mean, be a NASCAR champion by then. Well, there <laughs> you go. Um, well, let's talk about that, that Saturday in Darwin. I mean, he really had a commanding a chokehold on that, that race all the way through for to take the, the win on the Saturday. Yeah, it was it was a really impressive drive. Um, you know, I, I really enjoyed the Saturday race, and, and it was with all the stuff that was going on behind it that I liked. I liked the overlapping tyre strategies. Loved Garth Tander blazing through the field like he's made a habit of doing in this second half of his career. I think that's brilliant. Um, that, I think it was lap 35. I caught the replay... The other night, actually, and, and I turned on a lap before it all teed off, and there were cars coming out of pit lane. Reynolds was in at Lounds, Winkup, Van Gisbergen, and Garth, I think. And they just had this mighty scrap for a lap and a half, and they were three wide going up into the hairpin. And it was a cracking motor race. Scott was oblivious to all that because he was driving away. But um, 
usually it's the the Sunday races for me that have been the more compelling because you get that extra strategy element. But whatever it was that that teed off in Darwin on Saturday, that was the the race of the weekend for mine. Yeah, I was I, I was trying to toss up whether Saturday or Sunday was was better, but for me it was Sunday because it just went completely crazy. I have no mm. idea. Like there's people firing off everywhere, you know. Um, and one of the big talking points I had from Sunday is McLaughlin. And, you know, he was second the whole race, but should he be in black flag for that smoke, for the oil? Because we've seen that in the past, the, the officials not um, not shy in throwing out the, the black flag. And I Dutto had a problem with it, and he wrote, wrote an article on supercars.com saying that uh, McLaughlin should have been black flagged. What are your thoughts, boys? I was okay with it for mine, only because Jamie was the man most affected. And we saw the vision of his screen, I guess, and the vision was a problem for him. But in the presser, he said, no drama. There was no oil on the track, no issue whatsoever. So there's no safety concerns for the guy that's immediately behind him, then game on for mine. I know mm-hmm. it looked it looked bad, and initially, as soon as you saw it, you thought, oh, he's over. He's got, they've got a black flag in. But if the guy behind has not got a, a drama and the officials can tell there's no oil on the track, it's not causing a problem, give him some time. I think they played it pretty well, gave him time, cleared up, yep. got him on. What about you, Grazi? Yeah, yeah I, I agree completely with that. I, I love the I love the attitude of, of let him race. And then if it gets to a point where it's dangerous and maybe if it got to a point where it was clearly leaving oil on the racetrack and changing the track conditions, then... Sure, you throw a, throw a black flag, but um, as as Stubbsy said, like there was no, you know, Jamie wasn't struggling for grip. Um, no one was firing off in Scott's wake because of the oil he was laying down. So I, I'm a big adv- advocate for letting them race. Just let them sort it out on the racetrack. Go for it um, until it's adversely affecting other people's race. Just let them go. I, I to be honest, I was more concerned that the engine was going to blow up yeah. rather than he was going to get yeah. black flagged yeah. because. Had he been black flagged, he salvaged some points. Uh, had he blown up, there would have been a zero points day and, and a big dent in the championship challenge. So um, I think they got away with one for sure. I think it's another Absolutely. little bit of the rivalry between the, the fierce rivalry, rivalry between the Shell V-Power and Red Bull Holden Racing Team more coming to the fore with Dado making those comments and more wishful thinking, I think. How good is that, though? Like, how good's that rivalry turning out to be? Mm. I mean, that, it, it, it's got the potential now with with how... DJR Team Penske's ramped up and, and you can bet that Roland Dane's team will be continue to be a dominant force or at least a, a regularly winning force for a long time to come. But how good is it that we've got this battle emerging and this really intense little team rivalry? And Dubsy, you'll probably see it more than anyone because you're down there in the coalface in the garages. What, what's it like from being in there and amongst it and the needle between these two teams? Oh, it's awesome. It's what sport's about, isn't it? When you've got the two heavyweights flying it out, they're full of good people, the best people at their jobs in the industry. And the look, the thing is they play it really well. Off track, down in pit lane, there's a lot of interaction between the teams. Maybe not a lot, but there's certain interaction between the teams. You see Ludo joking with his old mates, etc. It seems to be a healthy respect for each other because they know how brutal and how hard everyone in every team is working to get the best results for their drivers and their sponsors and fans. But these guys seriously dislike each other on the track. They mm. always, especially the Shell V-Power guys, always seem to ask straight away when they get out of the car, 
Scott, Scott in particular, where did this guy finish? Where did that guy finish? And mm. often, because of the championship uh, structure at the moment in terms of the standings, he's asking about Shane, where's Jamie, etc. So there's a healthy rivalry, but there's a genuine dislike. And they're not afraid to point something out that's going on with the other team and say, hey, Stubbs, have you seen that? Maybe follow that up. Is it worth you know, asking some questions about this? So, yeah, there's certainly uh, there's some heat to it, but healthy. Yeah, and look, one of the other things I wanted to talk about is, you know, we always talk about the the big two, but it's really the Nissan guys who have come to the fore this year. I mean, we saw, you know, Rick Kelly on pole and getting that, you know, that lap, and, and although they didn't get it done on either day, they were still, you know, hovering around the top six. Uh, Rick Kelly, you know, finished fifth and sixth across the weekend. I mean, it's really great for those guys to be up the pointy end. I've, I've loved, loved watching that occur over the last, half a dozen events um, because Rick Rick's flown under the radar in terms of people remembering how good a race car driver he actually is. Mm. And I think it's it's been one of the frustrations because I reckon if you surveyed the paddock, most of them would put him in there easily in their top 10 drivers. You know, he's a champion. Yeah. He's a Bathurst winner. But he's been hamstrung by being in a car that, that wasn't competitive. But now it's competitive and Rick's a regular front runner. I'm just reminding people why he's so very, very good. It's been one of the great stories of the season. Mm. I really hope they that he gets an, a win or two later on in the season. I hope they continue to be consistent performers. Um, it's just such a, a good reminder of the depth of the field and that, that sometimes this sport is machinery-based, and if you don't have the right tools, you won't be at the front of the field. And now Rick's got a decent decent thing to drive. He's yeah. reminding people of why it's good. But how much more relaxed is he? Like, oh. This is like the weight's been lifted off his shoulders and he's chilled out and happy Rick Kelly like we saw many, many years ago. It's brilliant. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I was going to say, Craig. He's just, you know, we, we've heard the story how he got in, into Darwin, arrived at the airport, picked up the hire car and off he went on a 700k round trip just to go for a swim because he can't. He's not a team manager and he's not doing that role anymore. Rick's looking after yeah. that. He's relaxed, he's happy. He was joking so much about some of the stupid items uh, working a little blue, as Rick sometimes does, some of the items that you can buy at uh, the Mindel Markets. He was just in a really good frame of mind and this pressure valve has been released for him. But I want to know what's happened because I think after the Sunday in Tassie, his best was around 11th. And since then, he's had these three podiums, the win, pole. Mm. He's only been outside the top 10 once in eight races. It's, mm. like, the turnaround has been phenomenal. Like, it's it's it... huge. They were almost, and it's a motive word, but they were almost an afterthought in terms of the championship and, and supercars in general. Uh, at that point, so bad had their results become. And this is just, it's fantastic. Mm. And, like, I don't know whether it's the Todd Kelly factor or the fact they've got a, you know, their their new um, team manager, or not team manager, but their, their new recruit in there who seems to be working yep. tirelessly. I don't know whether it's all these ingredients put together at the same time. Um, I mean, isn't it actually good to hear to talk about Nissan being quick and fast and strong without any other influences in there? You know, we're not talking about the jungle juice. We're not talking about <laughs> tyres or anything like that. It's on their, all their own merits. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Agreed. So one of the other contenders, and it, it'd be amiss to, to mention our old mate who's, who's normally here, who started from fourth on Sunday... And put in a massive effort around the outside on the on the opening lap where you don't go, 
to go swoop around everyone and take take the the whole shot and then go on to take the win. I mean, Reynolds, we cannot cannot rule him out this year. David Reynolds, championship contender. Yeah. Uh, good story. Um, you're right. I mean, start of the year so far. I'm sure people have made up more positions off the line further back in the field, but in terms of nailing a start when you need to, that was it, wasn't it? What yeah. a what a great move. Great to see. Typical typical Dave Reynolds. Just lob it around the outside and hope that it sticks. And but the the thing for me that underlines what David Reynolds has been doing in the nine car this year is Anton Di Pasquale's performance mm-hmm. on the weekend. And and everyone goes, oh, Erebus are a good team. They've got one car at the front, but the true test of a good team, and we've seen this with Triple Eight over the years is having more than one car as a regular contender, making your entire outfit as strong as it can be. And everything clicked for Anton up at Hidden Valley, and all of a sudden they've got two competitive cars. So as you guys know, when you've got two cars at the front of the field, it just makes the information transfer between them better. Everything just steamrolls from there to work as a two-car team and making both cars better and faster consistently rather than one car being at the front and the other being down the field. I reckon that's part of GRM's qualifying dramas this year and that they're still trying to bring Golding up to speed yep. while Garth's chipping away in the lead car. So that was an awesome result. They're, they're a serious racing car team now, aren't they? Yeah. And full credit to Barry Ryan and what he's done with that team in the last couple of years. And you could look at Bathurst and go, oh, well, that was a Bathurst win. It's a crazy motor race. Crazy teams have won that over the years. But they've they've backed up that performance with consistency across the championship so far this year. It's, it's a great story. And that's the thing, too, when they had their shocker at Winton. What a great response on the mm. weekend. To be on the podium both days, the ball's out, moving around the outside. Is, that's a great response for Dave. We know how much we've talked this year about the question marks over Adelaide and Shane Van Gisbergen and did he give up a win? Was he not tough enough? What a, That's that's a cool response um, by the team and by him as well. And like you said, with Anton, they're just working so well together. That's a team of, what do they call themselves, misfits. They don't like being called a, a battler team or a team that, you know, that's over-performing uh, for what they should. But um, oh, fantastic result by those guys. And, and he's good for the sport. He's had his issues in the past, Dave, but he's a breath of, of fresh air. He's he's true to himself and and he's great for us as journos, Crowley. Mm. Yeah, he's good for quotes. The the balls out thing was brilliant, and just just typical David Reynolds, chilled out, relaxed, slightly obscure sense of humour. But um, yeah. yeah, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Well, I mean, regular listeners to the podcast will will have heard over the time that we've had big raps on Deeper Squally, but I don't think any of us really believe or thought that he could be as good as he is at this at this part of the year. Yeah, as I said, I I reckon that's one of the better overall performances by the rookie of the season. And there's been a couple, and Jack LeBrock down at Simmons Plains was outstanding. Um, And I'm sure there'll be more from your Hazelwoods and Golding to this world as the season goes on. But, you know, to get the car into the shootout for one, and and I know he went backwards in the shootout, but, hey, it's your first top 10 shootout. Just to make it is a, a huge accomplishment, especially in a field that close as it was at Hidden Valley. I think at one point we had all 27 cars covered by eight and a half tenths or something. Mm. It was unbelievably competitive. So, seen, go on. Oh, no, I was just going to say, he seems to really have his head screwed on. Yeah. There's no yeah. ego. It's just head down. He's working hard. He's soaking up the knowledge of those guys like Barry Ryan and, 
and he's just playing it really smart, making the most of the opportunity. Can you tell he's had some mentoring from Paul Morris? Because he's got that real chilled out sort of, hey, it'll happen kind of vibe, yep. which yep. the dudes had for so long. Mm. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Well, the other thing that, that you know, with Erebus now being con- considered a, you know, a proper two-car team, the question needs to be asked, what was wrong with Dale Wood? Ask Russell Ingle. <laughs> Krause, you want to weigh in on it? I know he, he he's in there. Your uh, Porsche Carrera Cup, but um... Um, well, well, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, it, it's a funny one because I, I think it shows how much of a confidence game motor racing is. Because Dale's jumped into a, a really good Carrera Cup car with a great team in Sonic Motor Racing, and he's instantly gone to the front of the field and he's a, an outright championship contender. And you go, oh, it's only Carrera Cup, but Carrera Cup at the pointy end is every bit as competitive as as the main game in terms of the depth of competition in that series. You've got some ex-supercar guys who are very, very highly rated, like a James Moffat, Wally, um, and some young kids coming up through the ranks who are going to be superstars like a Jackson Evans. So um, Woody said to me at Phillip Island earlier this year that he's just, he's just relaxed. There's no pressure. There's no stresses involved. He's just jumping in a really good race car, driving it as hard as he can in every race, doesn't have to worry about anything else, and the results are flowing. So, I think it shows it's a it's a bit of a confidence game as well. But you, I wonder if had they continued to chip away with that second car, would he be getting the kind of results that Anton is this year? How much of it is that second Erebus car yeah. really gelling, the engineering side coming together, that team improving as a whole? Mm-hmm. Had he stuck with it for another year, would it have improved? But these are questions you'll never know the answer to. But yeah. I think it's worked out well for everyone. Woody's winning races and contending in Carrera Cup, driving cool cars, and Anton's a, a rookie star of the future, making a real impact. So it ticks a lot of boxes for mine. And look, at, look out for Dale at Bathurst, backing up after last year too. Yeah. yeah. What a great performance. What were they, fourth? I think, were yeah. They? Yeah. Was a, yeah. A, a, yeah. Cracking. And obviously went without any sort of credit for that. Anton because of David's victory. So David Luke. So that was that was a great, great drive. So we shouldn't be too hard on on young Dale. Now, speaking of Pasquale, he had a bit of a dust-up on Sunday with uh, Simona, a little bit of a hip and shoulder between the two, which sent Simona into the tie wall. Um, Krause, if it was anyone else, do you think... Uh, if, well, let me ask the question. If the, the old, if the reverse was there and it was Simona that had pushed Pasquale off, do you think she would have been penalised or were you happy that it was just a racing incident? Uh no, I'm I'm content that it was a racing incident, and I'm not sure it would have changed the other way. And I know there are varying opinions on the calls that race stewards make one way or another, but I'm, I reckon they're reasonably. I don't think they factor into the fact that it's Simona when they're looking at at penalties. She's she's a pretty tough, aggressive race car driver. So if they uh, if they felt like Simona had driven Anton off the road, then I'm sure she would have been penalised had that been worthy. I don't, I don't think that plays anything into it. It, it. How frustrating must it be for her to be in the position she's in? Because I think she believes she could be further up the grid. And I know that people who have followed her career believe that she can be further up the grid. Um, so I, there, there must be an element of frustration creeping in in that team and, and that side of the missing garage at the moment to be running where they are when mm. especially one of their cars is now a regular top 10 contender. Well, and Michael as well. 
yeah. to what Caruso's done in the last couple of rounds. He's had that same boost in performance that, that Rick's had. He's been really impressive. So the question now is why not Simona if the cars in that team seem to be heading in the right direction? And we thought in Perth it looked like Simona might have been doing the same thing. She was really good there, but 22, 23, 22, 17 sinks is, mm. um, a, yeah, a lot of question marks in there about what will happen with her next year. Yeah. So we know Nathan is saying four cars will continue. They've reaffirmed that again this week, but yeah, Simona's place in that four, not sure. It'd be interesting to see what she could do with a, another set of wheels. You know, if she was to go to a to a Holden or a Ford team to see what she could actually do, whether it was yeah. actually the Nissan yeah. that's holding her back. I'm on to learn that too, wouldn't you? Though, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's it's interesting though. It's proof on how important quality is. And I'm I'm a big benefit of the doubt kind of person. So I'm I'm certain that she could do the job all going well. And I'm sure she could be. Will she be a championship winner? Maybe not, but I'm sure she could run towards the the front of the okay. field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All, yeah. all going well, and maybe yeah. jag a result you know, one of those mad races that happens. But uh, it, it's, it shows how important qualifying is. And at the moment, her weakness is that one lap pace in qualifying at the front of the field. And I think that's proven by the turnaround we've seen in Craig Lowndes' form this year. Mm. Last year, he couldn't qualify, be it the tyre, be it the new engineer, whatever it might have been. This year, they've worked out how to get that triple eight car back towards the front of the field on most occasions. Um, and all of a sudden, Craig Lowndes is is returned to being a regular podium contender and, and running at the front of the field. So if they can unlock Simona's one lap pace and she can qualify where Michael Caruso is qualifying or Andre Heingartner, who's been doing a good job, can qualify, um, then maybe she will get those results and just get out of that World War Five for 20th position that yeah. so often happens in supercars. Now, the, the big disappointment for me across the weekend is still Tickford. And they are having a complete shocker. They, I was going to say they're a they're a bit of a rabble of a team at the moment, considering their their apt new sponsor. Um, what do they have to do to get further up the front? Because none of their cars were in the top ten at Darwin. Oh, do you want to go first, Carzy? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> oh, hasn't it been an absolute stinker? It's... Yeah. It's bizarre for a team that's been so consistently fast for so many years now to fall so far, so fast. It just leaves you scratching your, your head for chance to be ninth in the championship and that be the best place to those four really talented guys is mm-hmm. just beggar's belief. You've got one podium between them. I know that they had a big ticket item that was testing at Winton. Uh, they're hopeful, I think, for the Enduros that they'll have reached um, some sort of peak in performance. Um, but gee whiz, you look at a guy like Frosty who's off contract, you'd want to know that there's something coming, wouldn't you? Mm, because yeah. you're not going to sign a, a multi-year deal with the car that you've got at the moment. Obviously, the Mustang, that's going to take some development, but there's not really a lot of other seats open at the moment. It's a, it's a fascinating contract situation, I think, between the team and, and Mark at the moment. But yeah, they've just got nothing consistently. Consistently. It's not like there's been weekends where they've been improved and they've just had a couple of bad rounds. It just hasn't started for them from Adelaide. If if the DJR Team Penske cars weren't good, you could go, oh, okay, it's you know last year of the Falcon 
they're just yeah. all ramping up for Mustang next year and clearly development stopped, et cetera, et cetera. But those FGXs in red, yellow and white have never gone faster than they are now. So they can't even use that as an excuse. No. But, but if, if, they were a, if they were a footy team, the major newspapers would be now going, sack the coach, yep. wouldn't they? And, and I'm not... Out. Yeah, I'm not for an instant suggesting Tim Edwards should go, but they've they've got to do something. Are you um, saying Rusty should? <laughs> no, no, no. You don't never stop the game. <laughs> so, yeah, it, but it, it, it's a massive, massive drama. And I mean, if we had the solution to it, we'd be rich men because we could sell it to them. But um, I, yeah, I, I don't know what they do. So do you get? I really to... thought Cam was going to have a breakout year this year. I thought he was really well well placed to to push his case. We know the talent that he's got and been working so well overseas and started had some really good results last year. He was really developing and mm. that's a blow to a guy at his age in his career to be to be stuck back where he is now. And like you said before with Simona getting caught up yeah. in all the sheep station stuff down the back, he's just it's cool. Yeah. He's had a, obviously a lot of technical issues with his car but um that have let him down. But that's just frustrating. Well I don't know well, about the other side of that sorry AJ, the other side of that is is the Stanaway equation and you know, we all rolled in this year expecting him to destroy the rookie grid and be a contender. And uh, and the first couple of rounds were like, oh, hang on a minute, this isn't going as we planned. But now, not only is he a rookie trying to learn his stripes, we know that he's a rookie trying to earn his stripes in a, not a very good car. Yeah. So he's just had double the challenge. So it just puts his performances into context a little bit as well. Uh, yep. my, my original point that I was going to make was, you know, Stubbsy, you were saying that you wanted Waters to have a breakout year. I'm sure after Darwin, I think he would just want his, his car to be put back together because it kind of <laughs> died on the front straight. Um, yeah. So if you're a Tickford, do you literally write off the next couple of rounds and go, you know what, we're going to put all our eggs in the basket and make our enduro season the best we can and aim for a Bathurst win because that will, uh, that will, if any of our cars lead and finish and win Bathurst, that makes the start of the year all that much more better. Well, it makes the season in some ways a success, I guess, if you win Bathurst, doesn't it? Mm. Um, commercially, at least. Um, but what racing car driver wants to put all their eggs in one basket in a 10-month season sort of thing? You know, yep. it's. Uh, I think they almost need to to do that, but obviously they're not going to. They're not going to go to Townsville and say, oh, let's not worry about spending any money on development. Or let's not get the guys into the workshop for a extra couple of hours this week, let's not do any overtime, let's just worry about the enduro. That's, that's never going to happen. They're working hard and they're more frustrated than anyone with, with how things are going. But I think in terms of development and what's coming uh, for the team, for the cars, they expect it to have an impact by the enduros. So that that could be their saving grace for the year. We should mention, we should mention that, you know, we, we're talking like it's, it's a horrible year and it is by context of that team. If they find two tenths of a second, all of a sudden they're qualifying in the top ten again. Mm. So that, that's it, it's just proof how competitive the championship is, and we, we all talk it up, and and maybe sometimes we all talk it up too much. But when you sit back and look at it and go, a team this good that we we know is a proven Bathurst winner, proven championship contenders year on year, and look how consistent Winterbottom's been in the overall standings for a decade. Um, it's proof that. If, if you miss the ball by 2% in this category, you're absolutely nowhere, and that's what they're yeah. going through at the moment. So and it's that one lap, isn't it? Yeah. It really is. It's the one yeah. lap, as we, we talk about and refer back to so often. Now, we had one wild card at the, the, the Darwin event. Macaulay Jones had a 
really reasonable showing. He had a little bit of a Ooh. an off here and there and kind of... Well, look, he finished last on Saturday and finished 24th on Sunday. So, you know, he didn't set the world alight. But this is... I mean, the wildcard program we've spoken about on the pod, this podcast many times as being a complete success. We love it. And there's, you know... Um, unfortunately, he was the only wildcard at Darwin. But I, I still think it has a lot of merit and good running for these guys um, who might want to make it into the main game later on. Um, it's just unfortunate that he had a, a rotten weekend. Yeah, and, you know, as we've just talked about with Tickford, having a rotten weekend is not much different to having a really good one. It's a couple of tenths here or there. I think Mac has proved that he is a competitive driver and that had he been in a car full-time, he would be there or thereabouts. He's not going to embarrass himself. He'll be he'd be competitive with the best guys in the country. So from that and, and an experience level, it ticks the boxes. Have you guys watched his YouTube channel? No. So no. He, he's been promoting it on his social media. He's been doing these little video or vlogs, I suppose you call them, um, before and after every round and little behind the scenes inside and uh, a background in what he's doing. And, and I, he must be filming them on his phone or a GoPro and, <laughs> and cutting them together himself. But they're actually, I watched a couple last night. They're actually quite good, quite sort of bit of behind the scenes action. And they just give a little bit of his character and that really sort of laconic, um, very Brad Jones style um, <laughs> kind of dude that he is. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're worth looking at. I really like them. Um, and I think Fox Sports should air them as well. But um, oh, there you go. they're, um, they're it just, it's another, just a little side to his character. And, and well done to Macca for doing something like that, something a little bit different, just to raise his own profile and, and promote what he's doing and show people that he's there and he's in the game and looking to do what everyone else is doing and be successful. Awesome. Right. Sorry, I'm the kid. Are you, are you his manager? Um, <laughs> I'm not. No, no. no but, right. uh, but I could, I could be. <laughs> for, for a ten percent well, fee. <laughs> um, now, Krause, you're the uh, involved in the, the heavily, heavily involved in the Talem circuit. There was a announcement out there during the week. It has a new, it has a naming rights sponsor of OTR. Tell us a little bit about how Talem is going, shaping up for its first supercar event later on this year. Well, yeah, well, firstly, you talk up my involvement. I'm, I'm literally, I've emceed two events for them, and that's about it. But um, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have had a, uh, a relationship with the people that have built the circuit through, through Porsche racing over the years. And from a South Australian point of view, it's extremely exciting. Um, OTR, for those in the eastern states who might not know what that brand is, OTR is their chain of uh, service stations and supermarkets that that same family, their parent company owns. So they've brought them on board. My argument to that is, well, if you're going to spend $100 million of your own money building a racetrack, you may as well promote your other brands around it. So mm-hmm. that's what they're doing. Um, the other the other thing around having them as a major sponsor is they've got 150 locations around South Australia and uh, a couple in Victoria that they can now use to promote this round. So you can bet that each of those stores will have significant marketing driving people to buy tickets for the OTR Super Sprint at the Bend. Um, really impressive. The state Premier, who's only been in office for 100 days, was there having a look around the facility for the first time. Uh, it's the first time since 1977 that South Australia will have hosted two championship points-paying rounds of, of the ATCC or supercars. So from a, a local perspective, it's a huge thing. Good support category, racetrack and facility are outstanding and 
Uh, it's going to be a, a Phillip Island-style atmosphere, I think, in terms of there'll be a lot of camping, um, a lot of motorhomes, a lot of people watching from the side all the way around what is a very long circuit. So it's it's shaping up to be very good, and it's cool for South Aussies, um, but I, I reckon it's going to be a great addition to the championship overall because it's a, such a cool facility. Yeah, and the buzz, too, in the paddock from the drivers that have had the chance to experience the track, it's everyone can't wait to get there. They, it's really European sort of style, isn't it? In mm. terms yep. of the length, the layout, just where it is. It's um, got a lot of guys and girls very excited about getting over to South Australia. Not that we're not excited anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, a little bit of extra motivation. Well, the thing I like about it is that it, it's going to have a completely different vibe to the Adelaide 500. Mm. So it, it, it's complementary. They're six months apart. Either way you look at it, so it's six months after March and then it'll be six months until the next one. So the timing's perfect. Um, but it, it's going to have a real European vibe, as you said. The, the, the facility's great. Jamie Winkup, they had a, a Shannon's Nationals round there earlier this year, and, and Jamie has been something of an ambassador for the circuit, doing some consulting work with them and promoting it. Jamie came over and they gave him uh, what was going to be four laps in an AMG GT3 race car on the Thursday and I was watching it from the top and sure enough, you know, by lap two, Jamie was, you know, wheels out over the curb sideways on the absolute limit as you'd expect. But when he completed his eighth lap, I was like, how, how, how many laps is he going to do? So a little bit of sneaky testing, but um, Perkat was doing the same in the course cars earlier this week, but That's yeah, it, it's really exciting. It's going to be uh, very, very cool. Now boys, good our, line. Yeah, our next round is Townsville next weekend. Um, give me your give me your prediction. Who's going to win? Is it are we are we all saying McLaughlin's going to win? I mean, Van Gisbergen is good on the the street circuits, as we know with uh, yeah. with Jamie. Is it this where Red Bull have their mount their fight back? Well, Scott's got the runs on the board, hasn't he? Had poles for both last year in that long streak of poles that he had mid year, mm-hmm. and a race win on a Saturday. Oh, you'd be hard picked to go past the obvious. Choice. This was the race that Jamie had that first win uh, of 2017 and went on to win the championship. So could it be his time to to bounce back? He's a hell of a long way back. Mm. Uh, But maybe he can mount something. We know that uh, Roland's been pretty brutal in his assessment of how the team is going with their qualifying form. There are struggles there and they need to be more scientific. He said, we've got the tools, we're just not using them right. Uh, So he's put the heat on them. Can they bounce back? You'd you hope so, mm-hmm. uh, because as Crowley said earlier, the suggestion and the, the vision you can see is Scotty running away with it at this point, isn't it? Yeah, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. It, it's um, it's a hard one to pick, and, and, and for the first time in a couple of rounds, we go to a different format, so two longer races rather than the yep. Super Spring round, so that, that may throw some variables in, but Unless they can knock Scotty off the pole, and, and like you said, Stubbsy, that's just been his ace card for, well, 18 months now. Um, he qualifies on pole and then drives away, and, and even if things don't go quite well, at least he's got that track position to to play with the race and, and make up some ground if he needs it because he's at the front of the field. Um, so beat him for qualifying, and all of a sudden you've got a chance. The ZBs were pretty good at Adelaide, weren't they, in the street? Yeah, mm-hmm. the opening round of the year, yeah. so... I wonder if that will that form continue. So maybe that's a, a ray of hope. But I, I'm going to, I reckon Scotty will win one race. But I reckon Reynolds wins another one. Oh, would you I, like to see that? Yeah, I, I think they're just riding a really good wave at the moment. He was really good at Adelaide as well. 
So their street circuit car is clearly a pretty good package. Mm-hmm. Let's let's have Dave be a, be a championship contender and win some more races and just just apply the pressure to Red Bull Holden Racing Team and the Shell Fords just for a little bit longer, just to try and push them into some mistakes and just wind up the intensity a little bit. I reckon that'd be a great story. No, we're we're backing our mate the whole way. Back him in for the the W. Uh, Now, before we go, we'd just like to update the series points, which is ugly reading if you're in anywhere from second down. But McLaughlin leads uh, Van Gisbergen by 161 points, and then Reynolds is 327 points behind McLaughlin. So he really needs to take that win at Townsville to to make up um, some ground. And the team's championship, Shell V Power leads Red Bull Holden Racing Team by 48 points, and the rest are nowhere. Uh, now, boys, uh, thank you for your time this week on the being the podcast virgins that you are. Um, Krause, you can be found at the at the racetalk dot com dot au. That, is that correct? Uh, yeah, just dot com. Actually, okay. we we pretend we're global. global, so <laughs> yeah, we've we've got a little website up and running. Just uh, a bit of couple of people in the sport offering some uh, some opinion. We're not not a news gathering resource, so your job's safe. But uh, more, a little bit of uh, behind-the-scenes sort of fact and exploring the news and trying to offer some educated opinion where it can. Can um, recommend yeah. highly. I read Thank it you. every time there's a new article comes out, so uh, it's Appreciate always that. a good read, Krause. And uh, Love it. you'll be uh, calling Carrera Cup and everything throughout the year, so you'll be able to be heard on our Fox Sports coverage. And Stubbsy, Murray GP for you this weekend. And then Trackside yep, is your... Jack Miller. Can yeah. you do it again? Yes, you can. Yeah, and then Trackside <laughs> next Thursday from the Townsville Strand. Absolutely. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to actually staying for a race. Because there's no clash in MotoGP, so I get to actually see the work through for the entire weekend. So and to that on Fox Sports News. Exactly. All your updates across the weekend on Fox Sports News. Uh, thank you, boys. It's great to, to have you on. And uh, we will... Actually, two things I need to mention before we go. Um, if you have any questions for Reynolds, feel free to shoot them in, and we will put those to him on the next podcast. And we're still continuing our campaign for the David Reynolds statue in the main street of Albury because all Bathurst winners should have a nice, should be celebrated. So uh, we're starting at mounting our campaign for that to happen, even though he doesn't want us to, but we thought it would be hilarious. Uh, thank you, boys, for your time today. And we will speak to everyone after the next round in Townsville.